Hello, and welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. We are so excited that you're here today. Today's sermon is called Trust Issues, and it's from week three of our series, Take Heart. If you haven't already, go ahead and go back and listen to week one and week two. We hope that today's message encourages you to trust in the Lord. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you'd like to read along in scripture, you can turn to John chapter 14. Here's Pastor Chris. Last week I was talking about, I started out with my mother who passed away in 2003 and I talked about how that season of my life with her, there was three things that spoke to me deeply, that changed me deeply and made me live different from that point forward. It was seeing the peace of a, of a mother who was dying, but seeing the peace in her eyes when her life was full of pain, but knowing that she had peace in Jesus, it tells me that I could have peace in Jesus also. Seeing a pastor when my mother wanted me to stay in the church, and she said, make sure he stays in the church, and the pastor looked me straight in the eye and said, that's up to him. <laughs> so many of us are waiting on somebody else to come do something for us, when the truth is, if we can't take advantage of the day that we're in, the time that we're in, we're wasting life. I just got a book yesterday, it's a, Today Matters. The decisions we make daily matter and then the other thing was when she took her last breath and I saw her go from full of life to lifeless from full complexion to nothingness and I knew that something was there that was not there anymore if there was ever any doubt in my mind that Jesus wasn't real that that my faith wasn't real it was changed in that moment I was fully convinced at that time and January for me used to be a great month Still is, every month. But in my family, it was the, the month of birthdays. My birthday was the 6th of January. My mother was born on the 9th of January. My cousin was born on the 17th of January. He passed away January the 24th, today, 2014. He was 43 years old. He would have been 50 last Sunday. My grandmother, January the 19th. I look at the calendar and there's birthdays for people who aren't here anymore. Over the course of this last year, we've seen a lot of people. Maybe it's the media, I don't know. But we've seen a lot of death. A lot of it for coronavirus. I remember Joe Diffie. Anybody know Joe Diffie? Ships that don't come in. People wait forever for ships that don't come in, sitting around on their booty, waiting for something to happen. He was the first one I remember back in March maybe early April, that was famous, that passed away from the coronavirus. And we saw this happen all year long. January 8th of this year, one of my baseball coaches passed away. Would have been 70 on January the 10th, 69 years old. I remember this coach because he was just one of these coaches. You ever had coaches in your life that are just encouraging, make you feel like you're better than you actually are, you know? Like I'm standing here today because I had a pastor one time that looked at me and saw things in me that I didn't see in myself and maybe nobody else did, but he gave me opportunity to stumble, to get it wrong, and learn. But this coach, he, would, he, was like, he wasn't like that just to me. He was like that for everybody. Like He had a nickname for everybody. 
I forgot my nickname until I ran into a son about 20 years after the fact, and he's come up to me. He's like, hey, Tweety Bird! Because <laughs> I had these long, skinny legs. Like, if you think I'm skinny now, I've put on about 40 pounds since Becca and I got married. So, But he was an encourager. Some of you guys might know uh, Will Turpin from Collective Soul. Anybody know him? When, when, when Eddie Heaton passed away, Will Turpin posted on his timeline. He goes, man, I remember Coach Heaton. He called me Willie T. And he's like, even my bandmates and, and everybody else calls me Willie T. Still to this day, he goes, the thing I remember most about Coach Heaton was like, he would always say, man, if I was, if I was a betting man, I would bet on Willie T. Every time because he would always show up. When I look back through my life and where I am today, I can see there are people who are encouragers, who are leaders in my life, who spoke things into me. Maybe you can relate to that. And we've been in this series we started, Take Heart, this month. I got to share something with you. Back in about August, God began stirring this word for 2021 for the church. It was to be a year of courage. In about September, we had on the calendar, we were going to do this series called Take Heart. And I had in my mind, we were going to do about four weeks, and I was going to come and talk to you, and I was going to talk to you about how Jesus told his disciples to take heart, and how Moses told Joshua and them to take heart, and how Joshua told the generation coming after him to, to, to be bold and courageous. And I was going to cheer you on. I was going to say, we're going to go take this hill. But as I got into 2021, 20, I wanted a refund about six days in. I wanted my money back. But as we got into this year and I got into this series, God began speaking to me. This series is going to last for at least till the end of February. Because this section of Scripture, there's some important things in it. And oftentimes in our Christian lives, we want to rush on to the next thing and move on to the next thing and know God wants us to slow down, lean in, and let him change something in our hearts. The series comes from John 16, 33, where, where, where Jesus says to his disciples, he said, after the upper room, you know, they were in the upper room. This is the closing part of this section known as the upper room discourse from John 13 to 16. His final words in this, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Not you might. Or it could happen, but no, you will have trouble. But take heart. I, Jesus, have overcome the world. And we started out, we went back to chapter 13 where Jesus um, started this discussion out in the upper room. And he didn't start it out with a lecture. He started it out with a demonstration where he took a towel and, a, and some water and he got down low and he bowed low. And he began to wash the feet of the disciples. Now, you guys could take your shoes off right now, and I could come down there and wash your feet, and you might go, oh, that's nasty, but that ain't nothing. See, because the feet Jesus would have washed would have been full of animal feces and dust and nastiness, and you probably bathe once a day. These guys, jokers, probably bathe once a week if they were lucky in the river, and he stooped low. And what he began to say with us, 
It was church, the hour has come. It's time for us to be servants like Jesus. See, Jesus got down and did that, but even in that day and time, the Jewish servants would never wash feet. It was only the Gentile slaves who would come in and wash feet. But Jesus, the King of the world, the Son of God, got down and washed feet. We live our Christian lives looking for something easy and simple, and God wants us to get in the mess. Each and every one of us. Last week we talked. We moved on to uh, thirteen verses thirty-one to thirty-five, and we talked about how Jesus told his disciples. He said, "You need to love one another as I have loved you." And one of the things I wanted to make sure we were talking about in this series, or I made clear in this series, that this message is not a message for the world. This message is a message for the church, because Jesus is talking to his boys. He's talking to his team that he's going to leave this mission with. He's going to send them out. And they, and they don't have a clue, I'll be honest. I mean, you can read through the Scripture. They think they know what's coming. Like, we thought we were going to get to 2021. I was going to be good. <laughs> no. And the disciples, we look at them, and we think it's laughable lots of times, but just they don't know the end of the story like we do. They didn't know they were the main characters in the book. But they are. And so I see Jesus in this passage. I've talked about how it was kind of like a farewell address, but I want to look at it from another angle today. It's kind of like his uh, pregame pep talk. Because, you know, a good coach will give a pep talk before the game, and, and we know that when the game started, they lost control. They scattered, they ran away, and Jesus had to come back at halftime so they could finish well. And so Jesus, the greatest coach, we're going to go and we're going to look at John 14, 1 through 14 today. And Jesus has told his disciples to love one another as he had loved them, not like the cross because they didn't know that, but how they had seen him love them in their lives up until that point. And then, and then he talks to Peter a little bit. You know, Peter, he says, man, I'm going to chase after you, Jesus. I'm going to go, I'll die for you right now. And Jesus says, ah, you don't know what you're talking about. You're going to scatter. You're going to deny me three times. And then he goes into this passage right here. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way you know, Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had, come, if you had known me, you would have known my Father. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. In other words, we need a theophany. We need an appearance of God right here on the scene, and that will be enough for me. Jesus said to him, he said, Have I not been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe? There's just two words right here, believe, no. That I, here's another one, that I am in the Father, and that the Father is in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. Believe me that I am in the Father, 
and the Father is in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. What works is he talking about? You know, he turned some water into wine. These guys witnesses. He, raised a, he healed a nobleman's son. He got the man in the pool of Bethsaida who had been in his condition for 38 years, got him in the pool, and he walked away healed. He fed the 5,000. He walked on the sea. He gave a blind man sight. And he walked up to a tomb of a man who had been dead for four days, and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And so Jesus is saying, if you can't take me at my word, believe me for what you've seen. Me do. Verse 12, he says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I want to talk for a few moments on this topic, um, trust issues. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning just seeking you, seeking your face. Lord, I pray that this morning that I could get out of the way and that you could speak directly to every person in this room individually and that our hearts would be ready to receive it. Not just to come to church and walk out different. Lord, I pray that as we walk out of here this afternoon or this morning, and we'll be different than the way we came in. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us. In Jesus' name, amen. This story might be appropriate for today. You'll figure it out in a minute. I remember the day I got married to my beautiful wife. There was a, uh, maybe you heard the story, maybe you haven't, but I shared it with you in case you hadn't. We had, she didn't know she was getting married that day, by the way. <laughs> so we're starting out on the wrong foot already. But I had this good friend of mine over here that had uh, arranged a wedding for us. See, back and I, we were going to elope the following week, the week after. But we had a, a benefit ride for our worship team. We were going to raise some money to buy some microphones and stuff for the church. And we were going to ride motorcycles from... Uh, Locust Grove down to Dawson Trail in Jackson, Georgia. And we had a wedding set up at the end of it. And we, we were going to fake a uh, breakdown, but somebody actually broke down on the way, so we didn't have to fake it. And so the whole church knew, but my wife didn't know. And uh, she thought she was eloping the next week. But we had our whole family there. It was great. We had already got our vacation so we could go on our honeymoon, cleared from her workplace. She knew none of this. And she shows up, and, and uh, my good friend puts a little white shirt on her, and she had her blue jeans on, came up. They put a garter on the outside of her blue jeans. She came down the aisle on a Harley, down the trail on a Harley. She was dropped off right there, and she stood up, didn't bat an eye. Boom. I remember the days leading up. To that, my pastor, he'd be like, Chris, you know, because pastors, they've done lots of weddings, you know, there's expectation with your wedding. And so he was like, Chris, I don't know about this. 
And there were some things that might have fallen that weren't communicated well with the place. And he comes to me, Chris, are you really sure about this? I don't know about this. This is going to be terrible. And I was like, Pastor, trust me. I know her better than you do. And I look around this world that we live in today. And trust is at an all-time low. I mean, I hope I don't offend anybody by saying what I say. Because I love everybody and I mean nothing by what I'm about to say. But we don't trust the government. We don't trust the media. We don't trust this president. We didn't trust the last president. We don't trust big corporations. Social media, we don't trust. It's a sad thing that we don't trust. I remember being in a men's meeting, the same group that I started this thing out with. It come up here on a Friday night. We're going to pray together. I remember being in a meeting at one of those meetings. It was before we moved over here when we were at the old location. And uh, I remember one of the guys, somebody said something from James 4, when he says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And this conversation started up it was like, that was like, Hey, do you actually confess sins to people? And the guy who had said, he's like, yeah, I have a group of people. Did we talk about this kind of stuff with? And this guy jumped up and he said, looked around. Like some of us known this guy for years. I ain't going to say his name to protect the guilty. But because <laughs> y'all know what I, who I'm talking about if I say it. But he looked around the room and there was a room full of men that he had been doing life with for years, 20 years, 15 years. And he looked around and he goes, I don't trust none of y'all. And he wasn't trying to be any kind of way, but as men, we don't trust. We don't. People in general, we don't trust. But see, the greatest things in life, they require trust. Think about your marriage. If you're going to build a healthy marriage, if you're going to have a strong marriage, it's going to require trust. If you're going to go out, if you're going to build a business, if you're going to have a team, a company or whatever, build a church, your team's going to have to trust each other. Some of you guys have probably been on some dysfunctional teams. Maybe you've been lucky enough to be on a healthy team. But the difference between a healthy team and a dysfunctional team, one of the main things is trust. See, because a dysfunctional team in meetings, they'll hold back. They won't say what they need to say because they'll be afraid somebody will look back at them. It'll cost them something because they spoke up. But healthy teams trust one another. And when they're trying to decide something, everybody can say what they need to say. They can throw it out on the table even if it offends somebody because they all know that they're all searching for the best answer. I remember a couple weeks ago, Mike Johnson and I, our campus pastor, we were having a conversation about something that we were dealing with nothing big or anything like that it was something vision for the future let's put it that way and and we came into this conversation I had a position on it and he had a position on it and within about five minutes after we began to talk to each other about this and be honest we had a better decision neither one of us came into the room with trust is very important we got some games this afternoon one at 305 Green Bay Tampa Bay yeah Go, Pat, go. I'm not wearing my Green Bay jersey because every time I do, they lose. So I've decided I'm not going to put the jersey on until they win the Super Bowl this year. And so, but I might say a couple names. You may know these names. Tom Brady. Anybody know that name? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has some receivers. Devontae Adams. 
Like, when Aaron Rodgers goes back, he knows Devontae's going to be where he's supposed to be. He trusts him out on the field. In times past, he had a guy named Jordy Nelson. He always knew that guy was going to be there. Tom Brady, Gronkowski trusts Tom Brady so much, he, he retired and came back when Tom Brady went down to Tampa in the second season. No, first, he's coming back for another one in Tampa. Trust is hard. And it takes courage to trust. Man, I'm just getting started. Y'all should be coming up. Y'all stay down there. (laughs) The trust is hard. Look at the disciples. They've been with Jesus all this time. They've been walking with Jesus for three years. They've seen these miracles that Jesus did. Turn water into wine. Raise dead people from the grave. And they're struggling with trust. It's a human condition. We all struggle with it. And we see Jesus right here. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. And he goes on. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is calling you to trust him for the way. He's calling you to trust him with truth. We run around. We try to make up our own truth. There is no such thing as truth if it's not Jesus' truth. And he says he is the life. See, the only life you're going to live fully and be fully satisfied with is a a life trusting Jesus daily. The foundation of our faith is trust. It's not what just Jesus said. Genesis 15, 6 says Abraham believed God, trusted God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. We got a global pandemic going on. And we got a vaccination on the scene, but there's a vaccination for your sin problem, and it's faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It takes courage to trust. See, the problem is, and I was having a conversation with another good friend, I ain't going to say his name out loud either, yesterday about this topic. I didn't know I was going to preach about it when we were talking about it, but it might have been Friday, might not have been yesterday, but... Many of us, we've trusted Jesus for our salvation. But do we know him? See, there's a difference between knowing a Savior and being intimately acquainted with the Savior. To know him over there is, that's fine, that's great, that doesn't cost me anything, it costs you everything. But to know him, (laughs) oh, Sometimes this guy and I, we think we don't agree on everything, but we actually agree. We just say things a different way. But to know him, it takes time. To know your wife or your husband, it takes time. Unlike your spouse who's jacked up and got issues, Jesus doesn't have any issues, but it still takes time. You got to be there daily with them. You got to spend time daily. Man, I, I, I hear people, and I hope you don't, I, I'm not talking about you if, if, if this is you, but they're like, man, I can't understand the Bible. Well, start reading the Bible. Every day, just lean into it. Man, I read through the Bible all the time. God reveals new things to me every time I go through it. Knowing Him was about being in His Word. I remember it as a down point in my life. It was 2003 where I'd seen the death of my mother and some other things that happened in my life. And I was new in the church, and I felt like the Lord was telling me, just read your Bible. 
And I was like, okay, where did I start? And then I don't know if this was God or me, but I started in the New Testament because, you know, Jesus was there in the New Testament. We can see him in the Old Testament, but Jesus was there. So I, I, I and if you know me, I, I, I fall asleep. Anybody like that? You get still for about five minutes and it's, you're asleep. Are you like that? You do that? Yeah, I do that too. Don't feel bad. And so I still do that. But during this season of my life, I knew if I tried to sit on the couch and read my Bible, I would fall asleep. So I sat down on the bathroom floor, on the wall, the most uncomfortable place there was. And I would sit there for hours only, and I would read the Bible daily, daily. I remember getting to Matthew 14 where Jesus walked on the water, remember? And Peter got out there with him, and he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he began to sink. And I remember when I had heard that story all my life, but when I read those words, it was like Jesus reached down and said, hey, look at me keep your eyes on me and I remember in that season in my life as I would walk past that bathroom in my hall I could see Jesus in it you might think I'm crazy but he was there he was waiting for me in that bathroom see we got to trust we have trust issues people we got to stop living this way Craig Groeschel says this he goes you know how to trust somebody Trust them. Trust is given. Mistrust is earned. We've got to trust people right where they are. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. These guys didn't get it, like I said. They had trust issues, too. They'd been with Jesus all this time, and they were struggling with this things that he was saying, they had trust issues, and there was a disconnect or maybe a misalignment between the kingdom they were trying to build and the kingdom that Jesus wanted to build. If you remember their conversations, you remember they were always arguing who was going to be first or second in this kingdom. They were in it to win it. Jesus was here just to lay his life down and be a ransom for many. He was trying to teach them this. You guys can come back up. And they didn't get it. You probably didn't get it in your life when Jesus called you. I remember him, he called me to be a church planner. <laughs> I was a struggling worship pastor. Frustrated. But Jesus will always give you a next step. He will. I began praying. You know what he told me? In the midst of my frustration, he said, finish well where you are. Sometimes we're looking for the next thing. Well, God wants us to be faithful in the thing he's called us to. These guys didn't get it. Jesus told them, he said, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, what I will do, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. We know the story. We know what happened. Jesus 
goes to the cross and the, and the disciples scatter. They disown him. Peter denies him three times. Maybe you can relate to that. I know I can. I haven't always been faithful. Matter of fact, I stumble every day. We're on a journey. We're all working through this together. That's why we come together as a church, so we can pick each other up when we fall down, so we encourage each other, so we can look at you and say, hey, you guys, God's called you to some great things. He really has. You may not see it, but I see it. Jesus sees it, and that's why he put you here. Peter messed up. Can you imagine Peter? You know, this is how I see it. And this, I mean, this just might be. Jesus, that rooster crowed the third time when Peter denied Jesus, and Jesus called eyes with him from the cross. How do you think Peter felt? <laughs> he walked away. But I'm so glad Jesus doesn't love like we tend to love before we know Jesus. Peter's out on in a boat <laughs> off the shore and he sees a guy up there having a fish fry on the shore and he realizes who it was and he dives out of the boat out of his safe place chases after Jesus and he gets there with Jesus I don't know about you but if I had been Jesus and you told me you was going to stand with me through thick and thin and I turn around while people are getting the best of me and you desert me I don't think I'd have had the same thing to say to you that Jesus had to say to Peter Jesus says Peter do you love me yes Lord you know I love you feed my sheep Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my lambs. By this time, Peter probably gets really frustrated. He's like, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. He says, go and feed my sheep. See, these guys didn't get it. Just like you and I don't get it. We don't understand what this season we're in with coronavirus and, and where we are right now. We don't understand what it's going to look like. We don't understand the times that we're in, but Jesus knows. And we're here on purpose. And if we'll lean into Him and we'll really get to know Him, we'll walk out of this thing on the other side and we'll do greater things than we could ever ask, hope, or imagine because the disciples on the other side, if you don't remember, Peter, stuttering Peter, Stubborn Peter, who stuck his foot in his mouth, who lacked courage, stood up on Pentecost and spoke, and 3,000 people came to know the Lord. Hebrews says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word Jesus of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things that are visible I remember the process of planning this church <laughs> it took quite a few years but in 2018 we're in a fast right now but in God spoke to me every year in these past 
2018, we, we were having this fast, and, and my wife, as she does, start, she cleans up all the time. She's cleaning out my office and putting stuff on my desk. And in the midst of this fast, there was a few things that I saw from going back to that season. Of, this was 2005, where I was going through a divorce, and I had all these affidavits with people who had written affidavits about what a great father I was. And I began reading those. It was from all kinds of people. It was during this fast that I saw it. And then I had this other fear in my life that I wasn't going to live past the age of 28. And during that time, I found my baptism certificate on the desk. desk and I was baptized on January the 7th, 2004, the day after my 29th birthday. And I was getting ready to share with the team on the last day of the fast. There was 11 of us in a room. Started out with a lot more, but by this time there was only a few left. And I looked at that baptism envelope, and on the envelope was the date, January 27th, 2004, which was the same day that I was speaking to this team that was planning a church January the 7th of 2018 and I told them and I said here's what I really feel like God's saying to us this year it says if we'll trust him in the things that we cannot see we'll look back one day and say God is faithful and I just want to say look around look around I want to encourage the church we often get frustrated because of the coronavirus season we're in. We're like, oh, man, we started and we're down about 50% from where we started in the building. Let me tell you, there's at least about 75, 80% of what you see on Sunday morning that consistently watch online with us. And there's a season that we think nothing's happened. Jesus is building something. Let's just continue to press forward. Let's just continue to lean in and trust Jesus. And Romans says, while we were yet sinners, Jesus came and he died for us. How much more shall we be saved by his life? Come on, church. Just pray with me. Father, we just want to be a church that doesn't just trust you. We want to be a church that knows you deeply. We want to be a church that knows you intimately. We want to be a church that does all that we can for your kingdom. Not because it's in the best of our power, but because we live by your power. Lord, I thank you for the people here today. I thank you for those who are online. Help us to trust you this week. Help us to spend each day the next seven days, come on, just leaning in to you. When we come back next week, I pray that as a church, we know you more intimately than we do today. In Jesus' name, amen. What a great message from Pastor Chris about trust. We hope that you are encouraged, and we invite you to share this with a friend. If you would like to stay connected throughout the week, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Generations Church. If you would like to give to Generations Church, 
You can text the word Generations with a Z to 77977 or visit us online at generations.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope to see you next time on the Generations Church Podcast.